What a beautiful song. You know, for a number, actually a number of months now, and, and we're going to finish up today, we've been talking, we began by talking about what Christ has done for us. You remember we studied uh, Romans 8 for a number of weeks, and then uh, what, the Holy, what the Lord wanted to do in us, and we studied uh, John 15, abiding in Christ. If we abide in Christ, he abides in us, and we bear much fruit. And last Sunday and today, we want to see what God wants to do through us, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is why it is so important that you and I be in touch with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So often we think that is perhaps something that would be uh, uh, fanatical or something uh, so strange that people would be turned away from us. But in reality, I believe people are turned away from us because they do not see the Holy Spirit producing fruit in us. And they cannot see Christ in us. So I think in reality, Satan has deceived us, and we need to turn again and understand what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit wants to connect with us and live in us. So having said that, let's pray, and then we'll read these verses out of Galatians, okay? Father, we are so grateful that you sent your Son to do so many things for us, including saving us, redeeming us, bringing us into right relationship with yourself and adopting us into the family of God. And, Father, I thank you that as Christ lives in us, as we abide in him and he in us, we bear fruit. And I pray now, Father, that you'll help us to understand what Paul is talking about, about the fruit of the Holy Spirit produced in us as believers. Father, help us to see that perhaps these are the last times. And it is so vitally important that our life count for Christ, that we not only be vocal about our faith, but more than anything else, that our lives will be portraying Christ in us. And remind us again that it is not our good works, it is not our abilities, but it is the working of God bearing witness through us that we are his children. Father, please speak. Please, Lord, be lifted up. Please be given all the honor and glory this day. And, Lord, help us to leave this place wanting to go out and bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit so that others can see Christ in us. For we ask in his name. Amen. Let me read again these verses from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 26. Last Sunday, we said that that first word is so important the three-letter word, but. Paul is making a contrast. In verses 16 to 21, he has described the works of the flesh are the desires of the flesh. And you and I looked at this in depth. He is saying that even as Christians, we can allow sin to control us. And if we do, he, he tells us how our lives will be filled with those works of the flesh, so to speak, the natural desires. But in verse 22, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit. And please notice again, the f word fruit is singular, but Paul mentions nine, nine ways that the Spirit of God is going to work in us. Listen to this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against those, there is no law. 
verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified. Again, one of the concepts that I think is so eminent in Paul's thinking and in his mind and heart is dying to himself and living in Christ. You remember again that from the very beginning we talked about Galatians 2.20 where Paul says it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me because I've been crucified with Christ. And he talks here about crucifying the flesh with his passions and desires, putting that to death. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And listen to verse 26. Let us have, and listen to three things that he says we should not have. No self-conceit, no provoking of one another, and no envy of one another. I want to quickly review some truths that we found from the Scriptures last Sunday for you and I who are Christians, and they'll be listed, okay? Number one, we don't have to be enslaved to our sinful nature as Christians. We can be Christ-like. You remember we read out of Romans chapter 7, and Paul talks about the constant war that he was in himself with his old nature and with his old evil desires. Folks, the victory has already been won to us if we will simply abide in Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to take control of us. Secondly, we learned that when we are abiding in Christ, John 15, we are freed from our sinful desires and live in the power and the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Number three, in Galatians 5, verses 22 to 26, Paul describes the Holy Spirit's power at work in us. And number four, and folks, this is one of the most important things, I believe, The fruit here described is not produced by the believer, but by the Holy Spirit. It is a human experience to think, I can do this. I can do this. You know, that starts really early, doesn't it? I I think about Ella has reminded me of so many lessons about life. I think she could fly an airplane to the moon if you got her behind the wheel. That's how confident she is in anything. I can do it. I can do it. And folks, so often as Christians, we, we are tempted to think that we can live for the Lord Jesus Christ outside of his indwelling spirit. And we try and do it on our own. Now, if that is not true, why is there such, and hear this from my heart, why is there such a, a lack of Bible study and time spent in prayer and really worship time? And thank you for being here today, but the worship I'm talking about is not Uh, confined to Sunday mornings. How much time do we give to God on a day-to-day basis to allow him to mold us and to shape us into an instrument that can be used in his kingdom? Folks, I think we think we can do it on our own, and you and I cannot. And when we try and live on our own strength and power, spiritually, we will falter and fail. The fruit is is not produced by the believer, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the source of all these things. Number five, in verse 22, Paul uses fruit in singular form, which means these nine fruit are a package deal. And again, I'm not trying to be funny nor sarcastic. You know, I have so often in my life said, well, you know, these nine things, I think I got some of them under control and some of them I don't. One of the things I've always prayed for is patience. And what I need to be praying for is the package, not just one. Because, you see, I think one produces the other. 
And in just a minute, we're going to talk about how it seems before we can have all these other things, we've got to be rooted and founded in love, joy, and peace, and all three of those come from God himself. So this is a package deal that God wants to place in our life through the Spirit. Number, number six, this fruit is Christ lived out in the life of the believer. This is when people really see Christ in us. And here's again a question we need to ask. Are people on a day-to-day basis seeing Jesus Christ in us? You might say, well, they know where I go to church. They know I'm a member there. Well, you know what? People need to know that you've been born into the kingdom of God, not where your church membership is at. And again, that is not sarcasm, folks. That is just the reality. People need to see Jesus Christ in us. And the only way they can see it is when the Spirit of God is in control of us. And the seventh thing that we learn, the Holy Spirit produces living fruit that has seed for more fruit. And I just found this out last week. And let me again read these verses to you out of Genesis chapter 1 verses 11 and 12. And folks, it might seem silly that when we're studying in the latter part of the New Testament that we would go all the way back to the first chapter in the Word of God. But I think that there is a spiritual and scriptural example of how the Holy Spirit in us produces and reproduces fruit in other believers. Listen, in God's order of creation, in Genesis 1, 11 and 12, And God said, let the earth put forth vegetations, plant yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed. Each according to its kind upon the earth, and it was so. Verse 12, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed each according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Now, you might be saying, how's that got anything to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, let's go back to, again, uh, John chapter 11, abide in me and I in you, and you'll bear much fruit. Folks, listen, when Jesus Christ comes and lives in our heart, when the Holy Spirit is given the authority and power over our lives, we are going to begin to produce and reproduce fruit that can extend over to other believers. Let me point what I I mean by that, and I I hope I'm being accurate and correct in this. Love produces more love, doesn't it? Let me ask you something. If you love somebody else, that makes them want to love you back, correct? If you and I love someone in Jesus' name, it's going to set a fire in their heart, and they're going to want to love somebody else, especially if they're a believer. And, folks, take each one of these things. If there's joy in you and I, it can be produced in others, correct? If we're sourpusses and if we're mad and angry at everybody that we meet on a day-by-day basis, what does that cause? It's a ripple effect where we send out the same Uh, anger in us to others, and they in turn give it to others. Good examples are our children and grandchildren. We are early teachers for them, and we shape and mold their lives by our attitudes and our actions. So Paul, I believe, is saying that if there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our life, it will be produced in those around us, reproduced. The seed is in us to lead others to bearing this fruit too as they give themselves to the Holy Spirit. And folks, this is where we pick up this morning, okay? Look at how Paul breaks these nine fruit down, 
okay? And, and, and again, this, I'm, I didn't come up with this Warren Wearsby, and I'm trying to tell you when, when I get ideas from others so that you don't think, well, boy, he sure is a smart fellow because I am not, okay? And if I don't study and pray and read and study the scriptures, I can't have anything to tell you, okay? But Warren Wearsby breaks down these nine fruit that God wanted in our life this way. And they're broken down in groups of threes, okay? Love, joy, and peace. That is the Godward aspect of the Christian life. The next three, patience, kindness, and goodness, are the manward aspects of the Christian life. That is, this is how we respond to others, okay? When the Spirit of God is in control of our life, this is how we will react and interact with others. And the third three, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, this is the selfward aspect of the Christian life. And let's go through these, and we're going to have to do this quickly, okay? So just hold on, okay? Number one, love. Five reasons I believe Paul begins with love. And remember again, the best witness that we have as Christians is our love toward God and toward others. Amen? Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Here's five reasons I believe that Paul begins with love. First of all, God is love and God loves the world. Would anybody disagree with that? Folks, the main character of God is love. And scripture defines that. Listen to 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, that's the very first thing we learn about God is that he is love. And it seems that all other fruit that Paul mentions is the outgrowth of God's love in us. We can't have the other eight until we get God's love in us. Does that make sense? A third reason, love is God's gift to us, and as believers, God places his love in our hearts. Listen to Romans 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given us. An act of God. He pours his love into in our heart, I'm just basically telling you what the scripture says. He pours his love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Number four, as Christians, we must pray that God's love will increase in our walk with Christ. How often do we pray, God, give me more love for the world around us? But listen to what Paul tells the Philippian church in Philippians 1.9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. You know why I believe that many churches are not really doing what God desires that they do? We don't have the love in our hearts for others that Christ wants us to have. And let's fess up, we're living in a self-centered world. I'm, I'm saying that to myself. We're so focused on ourselves. When God's love is poured into our heart, he's gonna, you think he's just going to fill it up halfway or three-fourths? He's going to fill it up as much as we let him, and he wants to fill our hearts so full of love that it overflows to everybody around us. 
beginning with those in our family and our immediate circle of friends, beginning with the family of God, but he wants it to go far beyond that. And Paul says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. And a fifth reason Paul begins with love, Christ's love for us was self-sacrificing. Therefore, the love that the Holy Spirit will place in our life is a self-sacrificing love. And again, we need this love in the world because love today seems to mean what can you give me? But Christ's love is the love that says, I will give to you. The second thing that Paul mentions is joy. Remember again, what did Jesus say when we abide in him, John 15, 11? These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. You see, living in God's love brings what? Joy. I mean, it's, it's just not just basic. When we're filled with the love of God, there is joy in our hearts. You remember the day that you got saved? I mean, suddenly you felt embraced by the love of the eternal creator God, and one of the first byproducts was what? Whoo, I'm happy. Things have changed in my life. I'm under new management. And all those things that kept me from God and kept me from joy, they've been forgiven and taken away, and now there is joy. And it's not just an emotional rush, but it is an and inner sufficiency and peace knowing that nothing outside of our circumstances, uh, not any outside circumstances can take this joy away. Folks, listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. He says, and and let me, again, I, I make mention of Philippians so often, you all remember that Paul is in prison in Rome for preaching the gospel. That's why he's there. He hadn't broken the law. He hadn't murdered anybody. He hadn't stolen anything. Uh, he, he has simply been preaching the gospel. The Jews got upset. They wanted to kill him in Jerusalem. It was God's plan that he would take the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth, that he would take it before the kings, even in Rome, before the emperor. And folks, listen to what he says. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, not that I complain of won't. And folks, underline this next statement. Paul says, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. How many of us can say that? I certainly can't. And he's not talking about North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. Whatever his circumstance in life. He says in verse 12, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound in any and all circumstances. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and want. Then he says in verse 13, I can do all things. And I love the the King James translation. How can we do all things? Through Christ who strengthens us. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you. For even in Thessalonica you sent me help once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit which increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am filled. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, accepting and pleasing to God, Now, folks, a lot of that is about Paul receiving a gift. 
to help support his ministry even as he is in prison. But this is what he's building up to. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, our God and Father, be glory forever and forever. Folks, what Paul is saying, he also describes in Romans eight twenty eight. We know that in everything God works for good to those who love him are called according to his purpose. What he is talking about is the joy that God wants to put in our heart regardless of the circumstances is that we face and one bible scholar calls this holy optimism and folks let me ask you something how do you and i feel on a day-to-day basis i tell you i am torn up about the world that we're living in right now i really am and i get so discouraged sometimes because i feel like the world that you and i love and and i enjoy living in this world but folks it seems like it's caving in it's falling down around us And folks, you and I cannot deny the hurt and pain and sorrow. You and I cannot deny the needs that we have, but we can find joy by acknowledging that our Savior is in control and the presence of His Spirit in us gives us what? It gives us joy. And we know that everything is going to be all right because Christ is going to take care of His children. Do you and I really feel that way? But He is, folks. And there's a little equation. What's the third thing that Paul says? We got love, joy, and then what? Peace. And I think there might be a spiritual equation here. Just look at this. God's love and Christ's joy equals what? The Holy Spirit's peace. And look at this. All part of the Godhead, and again, don't ask me to explain this because I don't fully understand myself. But God is a triune God, which means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And my simple definition is at every stage in history, God has shown himself and revealed himself. In the Old Testament, he revealed himself as God the Creator and the Father of the patriarchs. In the beginning of the New Testament, it is Jesus, the Word become flesh. Jesus leaves heaven and he comes to earth. And he dies on the cross. He's raised from the dead. And upon his departure, he says, I'm going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit comes. And the Spirit of God is still here even today. And all God himself is involved in our lives. God gives us love. Christ gives us joy. And the Holy Spirit gives us what? Peace. Peace. And again, it doesn't mean that we're running around uh, uh, not acknowledging that we're living in a troubled and terrible world but we are living in the presence of a savior and listen some of the last words that jesus said in john 14 and verse 27 listen to this peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives that i give to you let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid the next three reaches out to others but listen to this folks before we can reach out to others our lives have to be fortified and founded upon the love of god the joy of christ and the peace of the holy spirit and that's why i say i was wrong in praying for patience because you see i couldn't get patience until i got the other three things and i believe that's what paul an illusion of the Holy Spirit of God is trying to say to us until we're founded on the love, joy, and peace of our Savior and our God and His Spirit, we can have peace, uh, excuse me, patience, kindness, 
And what's the next one? Goodness. I know I'm running out of time. <laughs> Jimmy, just, Jimmy, just a couple more minutes, okay? I'm, I'm going to tell Debbie, put that on my tombstone. Give me just a couple more minutes, okay? And everybody, everybody who's been a, a member of the church during this time, let me quickly go over these three things, okay? Patience. What does that mean? Courage and endurance without quitting. Endurance, long-suffering, and being slow to anger or despair. All of these are different. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says courageous endurance without quitting. The Full Life Study Bible says endurance, long-suffering, being slow to anger or despair. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says that patience is a quality of forbearance under provocation, entertains no thought of retaliation even when wrongfully treated. How do we need the Holy Spirit's power in being patient? Number one in the will of God for our lives. How many of us have told God we want him to do whatever it is to do it right now? Whatever he wants to do with our life, do it right now. That's microwave spirituality and Christianity, isn't it? God, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. If you can't do it in that time frame, I'm moving on. But you and I need to understand that it takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime for God to work in our life and through our life. And the patience that he's talking about is not just patience in our relationships with others. Yes, we need patience in our marriage with our children and grandchildren, with fellow church members, even with the pastor. We need patience with coworkers. But, folks, first of all, we need patience in the will of God for our lives. Would we give God our lifetime to work, to mold, to temper us so that we will bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit for his kingdom. One of the most joyful things I think about being a Christian is that God never forsakes us or deserts us. Now listen, if he does not desert us or forsake us, what does that mean? He's at work in our lives. He wants to be at work in our lives. The older I get, the more I believe that every day is a gift from God that has a special purpose from God if we allow his will to be done in our life. And I don't mean by that every day we've got to be in church, every day we've got to be on our knees, every day we've got to be witnessing to folks, because in essence, every day we are witnessing to folks whether we're saying a word or not. But every day is something that has been preplanned by God for his honor and for his glory. Just think about that. for That just overwhelms me and overpowers me. The talents we've been given, the environment that we live in, our parents, grandparents, whatever God has blessed us with, it is for his kingdom's work, and he's got a plan. Let me get these other two, and we'll, we'll get the other three on a Sunday night, okay? Kindness. As God has loved us, we are to be kind to others. Goodness. Goodness may be thought of as not only an uprightness of our soul and zeal for righteousness and hatred of evil, but reaching out to others even when it is not deserved. Folks, our relationship with others should be radically changed by our relationship with Christ. And as one writer said, human nature can never do these things, patience, kindness, and goodness. Only the Holy Spirit can do them. We need to quit trying to be patient and kind and good on our own abilities 
and we need to surrender those things over to Christ. I promise I'm going to say this, and I'll close, and we'll have the invitation, okay? It's ironic that Paul closes this section with verse 26. And listen to what he says. Let us have no self-conceit, no provoking one another, no envy of one another. How can we know that we are bearing these nine fruit, these fruit of the Spirit? I think Paul points out. We can know that we're bearing these fruit because in you and I as believers, there'll be the absence of three things. No self-conceit. That is, God will get the glory, not we ourselves. Secondly, there'll be no provoking of one another's. Instead of being agitators, we'll be imitators of Christ. And a third thing, no envy of one another. Folks, when we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, God will get the glory, we'll be imitators of Christ, and we'll want the best for others and not be focused on ourselves. Isn't that marvelous? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for your word. And, Lord, we pray that our hearts and minds are being filled with your word as your spirit leads us to not only hear and understand but to apply it to our lives. Father, I pray that we will be filled with the spirit of God and we'll have the total package that the spirit wants to put in us. Lord, help us that we will bear the fruit mentioned here and help us father that you will get the glory and that we'll point people to christ and we'll share your love and your joy and your peace with all those about us father help us as christians to yield to the spirit and let the spirit of god bear fruit in us In these moments of invitation, we pray, Father, that if any public decisions need to be made, whether it would be to profess faith in Christ or make a recommitment of life or to even join this church, Lord, I just pray that your will would be done at this time. For we ask in Jesus' name.